0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Arc Junkies podcast. In episode 307, I talked about everything you would need to know to become a CWI under the requirements of the American Welding Society. I've gotten a lot of great feedback on that episode. That's not surprising, though, since I did mention that how to prepare for that exam is the number one question that I always get. Well, in this episode, I wanted to touch on another topic very familiar to many welders in our industry, although it's often misunderstood. Additionally, there's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding this topic. And I believe for that reason, there is so much misinformation going around on this topic. It's due to the people that spread this information. And in my opinion, there are two groups of people spreading these myths around our industry. And those are welding instructors and employers. And students and employees look to these two groups of people for the correct information. And it's not the fault of the instructors or the employers. It's just ignorance on their part. Now, when I say ignorance, it is not meant in a demeaning way. Ignorance literally means not knowing. And there's nothing wrong with being ignorant, as long as you're willing to become informed and educated. I was once just as ignorant on this topic as many instructors and employers. But with my thirst for knowledge on the topic, I was able to do some more research and stop spreading the myths and start spreading the facts. And that's why I wanted to put this episode together to help educate the instructors, employers, students, and welders in our industry about welding certifications. We'll jump right into this topic right after a quick word from the folks that keep the lights on in the BuzzBox studio. Today's episode of the Arc Junkies podcast is brought to you by Outlaw Leather. Are you a welding enthusiast or a tradesperson in need of top-notch leather welding gear and accessories? Of course you are. You're listening to the Arc Junkies podcast. Look no further than Outlaw Leather. Outlaw specializes in crafting custom leather welding hoods, arm pads, bolt bags, sleever bars, tool belts, and a wide range of custom welding accessories. Each piece is handcrafted with precision and designed to withstand the toughest conditions. But that's not all. Outlaw Leather also stocks essential PPE for welding, ensuring you stay safe on the job. Plus, they have a selection of quality hand tools that you can trust. Visit outlawleather.com today to explore their extensive range of products. Whether you're a professional welder or a DIY enthusiast, Outlaw Leather has you covered. And the best part is, as a listener of the Art Junkies podcast, you can use promo code Junkies in the discount box at checkout to get an exclusive 15% discount on all in-stock handmade leather goods. Outlaw Leather, elevate your welding game today. We're also brought to you by CK Worldwide, the standard in TIG welding. They make top-notch TIG torches and consumables. CK is the only brand I trust at my school and at home for all my side work and personal projects. I just finished up a bunch of repairs on some stainless steel restaurant pieces. Since these are repairs and not fabrication, I have to fit into some tight spots and still be able to get good gas shielding and torch angles. And with the gas saver kit and the FlexLock 360 Torch from CK Worldwide, neither issue is a problem. I'm able to hit all the awkward angles and still get great gas coverage. I've been using this specific torch now for over two years and it's been able to handle every task that I throw in front of it. And the best part is, you can get a FlexLock 360 in water-cooled or gas-cooled So you can take it with you on site and out in the field. Check out the FlexLock 360 and all the great innovations CK has at ckworldwide.com. CK Worldwide, the standard in TIG welding. We're also brought to you by Rockmount Research and Alloys, the go-to name for maintenance welding in the most demanding environments. Today I want to tell you about their Tartan AAA, a true game changer. With an incredible 86,000 pounds of tensile strength and 28% elongation, it's the ultimate choice for durability. The Tartan AAA features a micro-dense, moisture-resistant coating. This rod can handle even the toughest conditions, from tight spots to dirty, contaminated steels. And the Tartan AAA's triple-deoxidized deposits ensure low-weld spatter with its excellent out-of-position capability, guaranteeing successful repairs even in the trickiest spot. But that's not all. Experience ultimate puddle visibility and effortless vertical downruns, making pass-on-pass overslag a breeze. Ideal for low to medium alloy steels, Tartan AAA is your answer when the going gets tough. And right now, you can get a free 1-pound tube of Tartan AAA when you spend $250 or more at rockmountwelding.com when you use code word AJP in the discount box at checkout. Don't settle for less. Get the job done right the first time, every time, with Rockmount. Alright, you know what time it is. Fire up your machine, drop your hood, and turn me up 5. Thank you for downloading show number 310 of the Arc Junkies Podcast. You're listening to the Arc Junkies Podcast. Helping you make every well better than your last with each episode. And now your host, Jason Becker. Okay, let's go ahead and peel this band aid off nice and quick. Hopefully, I don't break too many hearts in the process. Now, there's a huge debate between certification and qualification when it comes to welding. I'm not going to kick that hornet's nest again. Uh, if you want more clarification on that topic, check out my previous episode with Daryl Peterson. We had a great conversation a while back on an episode of Weld Wednesdays on that very topic. I will go ahead and put a link in the show notes. Uh, So you'll be able to find that pretty quick if you want to listen to it. But the gist of it is a welding certification is just a documented process of testing a welder. So what does that mean? It means that you as a welder, in order to be considered certified, the process has to be documented. And part of that documentation means that you as a welder physically performed a weld test based off of a welding procedure specification that is either pre-qualified or supported by a procedure qualification record. Now, WPSs, PQRs, WPQRs, SWPSs, all those other acronyms, that's a whole other topic as well. And if you want to learn more about that whole process, I did an episode with Charlie Cross and Padrake Bean at Fabtech last year. We broke all those documents down step by step. I'll drop that in the show notes as well. Again, that's just way too much for this conversation I want to have with you all today. But for the sake of this conversation, what you need to know in order to be certified, you need to be tested to a WPS. If you just walk out to a booth or a table out in the shop, wherever you're testing, and you dial the machine in to, you know, wherever you think it's good, and you weld up a couple of coupons, and the instructor or the shop foreman, you know, they stop by to take a look at them, and they're all like, you know, Yeah, man, the weld looks pretty good. We'll go ahead and run it. And they take the back over to their test fixture. You know, they do a visual test on it. And then they do a bend test or a break test, depending on if you're doing fillets or grooves and the fillets have adequate fusion and the bends are clean. This does not mean that you're certified. Now here's why, because you didn't follow an actual procedure to do the testing, nor was any of this documented. If you're taking a welder certification test, you need to be following a welding procedure specification. That WPS is going to outline all of the essential variables And those essential variables, they're really going to change slightly depending on which code you're testing to. But just to give you a few examples of some of the common essential variables you need to adhere to for those that don't know, uh, things like the welding process, you know, is it flux core? Is it shielded metal arc welding, Uh, gas tungsten arc welding, whichever process you're running, uh, the base metal and filler metal combination, that's going to matter as well. We need to make sure that those two, uh, The base metal and filler metal combination that they match according to whatever code or spec you're testing to. The amperage. Typically, you're going to have an amperage range, like let's say for shielded metal arc welding. You have to uh, maintain somewhere between, uh, I'm just going to go with Lincoln's rod because I know that off the top of my head, 90 to 160 amps for an eighth inch 7018 electrode. Um, Also, what type of electrode are you using? Are you using 7018 70 s6 e71 t1 4043 you know like that is an essential variable if i change any one of those uh if i change that electrode out and you know now i'm welding like a completely different rod i'm not adhering to the wps uh also you have polarity you know we run in dc positive dc negative or alternating current travel speed is also an essential variable in some codes Gas composition, as far as, you know, am I running a 90-10 mix? Am I running 100% argon, 100% CO2? A lot of that's going to be based off of your process, uh, but also you have to know the flow of that. The flow can also be an essential variable, again, depending on the code that you're working to. All those things are considered essential variables, and they're going to be listed on your welding procedure specification. So if you're testing and you're not reading and following a WPS while you're testing— that's not really considered a certification. And how do I know that? It's because on your WPQR or your Welder Performance Qualification Record, which is at the end of the day for all intents and purposes, that's going to be your welding certification. There's actually a box on that document that says WPS number that you tested to. Or, I mean, it just says WPS number. And many times for welders in schools, that box where the WPS number should be They just put NQ in that box, which means not qualified. So you can't be certified if you tested to a non-qualified procedure. Like I said, it's got to be an SWPS or a WPS that's been qualified. Now, there is an exception to this. If you are a welder and you are assisting in the development of a WPS and you make those welds and the variables are all documented in order to develop a procedure qualification record, and that weldment passes all the required testing. You are certified by proxy because you made the welds to de- develop that WPS. So that complies with AWS, ASME, and API. So, for instance, I walk out in the shop. Boss man says, hey, we need you to weld these up. Uh, we got this work coming in, this type of base metal, this type of filler metal. Here's the gas composition. We need to develop a WPS to, uh, to be able to weld all this stuff up for our client. And you're like, oh, okay, you go over there and you do your due diligence. You know, you get your machine all set up, you get it all dialed in and you go ahead and make this weldment, you know, they cut it up, they do the visuals, everything passes. Once that weldment passes, you know, that validates the PQR, they're going to build the WPS off of that. You're obviously certified because you're able to do that because you made the welds that passed. So that's kind of one way to get certified in a process without necessarily adhering to a wps and to my knowledge that's really the only way you can get certified without following a wps is when you're developing the wps in the first place so aside from that you really need to be welding to a wps if you're not welding to a wps you're really just showing proficiency like you're able to do that you can weld you can stick two pieces together it's going to pass you know some type of visual testing and it's going to pass some sort of destructive testing or maybe radiographic testing and that's great I'm not taking anything away from you at that point. That's going to be a foot in the door. Okay, so if you're leaving school, you're heading off to industry, that document, you know, that your is providing you or whatever, that's going to show proficiency. It's not necessarily a certification. Now, on that note, since most of the first part is pertaining to students and instructors, if your instructor is testing you for a certification and you pass, you're not certified. I hate to break it to you, but at least not according to AWS. And yeah, I know AWS is not the end all be all when it comes to welding and testing and certification and all that. But most of the students I hear talking about, Hey, I'm an AWS certified welder. Their instructors are testing them at their facility, which like I said, is great. You're demonstrating proficiency, but I wouldn't go around telling everybody you're AWS certified because you're not. And that is only because according to AWS QC seven dash 93, Standards for AWS Certified Welders, and this is a free document. You can just Google that. Uh, It's going to pop right up. If you look at Clause 4, it's going to tell you that there's provisions for testing. And Section 3 states that there is a restriction, and it says, quote, An applicant shall not be tested by a test supervisor who conducted or was responsible for training the applicant. So if your instructor is the one training you, you cannot, they, they can't be the one to test you. It just makes sense. I mean, even when I was an instructor at the schools, I would test my students. We used uh, Initially, we used radiograph testing, so I would train them. I would initiate the testing. I would sign off that they perform the tests, you know, according to a given WPS. Um, then I, we would do the visuals, but, like, my say on the visual wasn't end-all, be-all. I would do a preliminary visual and say, yeah, this is definitely going to pass or it's not going to pass, whatever. We would then take those plates out to a third-party company they would then do an actual visual test on it to make sure it passed it. You know, it met the uh, the minimum requirements of the code. And that, you know, when they either did a destructive test or an x-ray test and it passed, I didn't have anything to do with that outcome. I had nothing to do with that decision. All I did was supervise, make sure that the student, you know, they adhered to the WPS. I checked their root pass. Everything was good. We tried to keep everything on the up and up uh, to the best of our ability. And like I said, everything else was third-party tested. So I had no involvement in cutting the plates, processing them, bending them, none of that stuff. That was all done through a third-party company. And then they would send back the appropriate paperwork, whether that student passed or failed. So if your instructor is the one that's testing you, technically you're not certified. And that's, it's called a conflict of interest, you know, and that can be viewed as unethical if that's what's happening. Only because, you know, from like an employer standpoint, um, I'm probably not going to accept a weld cert from a student, you know, who who brings me a weld cert and it's signed off by their instructor. Why? Because I don't know you and I don't know your instructor. And at the end of the day, your instructor's performance evaluation is based on the placement of the students and the number of certs that they're earning in class. And one way to get a student launched out into industry is to send them down the road with a certification. So it's kind of like the fox running the hen house. I I don't trust it. Not saying all instructors are dishonest people, but, you know, because I was an instructor myself, I know a lot of other instructors, they seem very, you know, ethical people, but at the end of the day, it's, it's just, you know, people can't be trusted. You know, people have ulterior motives. So you just gotta be careful with that stuff. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons, well, that, and there's, there's some kind of bias, you know, like if I work with a student for the past six to eight months. And man, you know, little Jimmy is just kicking ass out there. I mean, he's, he's trying his damnedest. He's, he's not great. He's got a little bit of lack of fusion and you know, that weld reinforcement, it's, it's a 16th high and, you know, but it's, it's the last couple of days of class. I'll, I'll just run him through, you know, I know he's eventually going to be able to get it. I want to get him this cert and get him out the door. Stuff like that happens, you know, so there's a conflict of interest there. That's why as an instructor, you should be bringing in somebody that's like a third party to, to come in and test your students. You know, you don't want to be the one responsible for training and testing. It's just a conflict of interest. So don't do that. So I just wanted to clear that up right up front. Uh, Additionally, if you do get certified and it's legit, you did everything right as far as getting tested by a third party, you followed a WPS, you passed the visual, you passed the destructive or the RT in some situations, you're only certified to that process and that position that you tested to. Now, obviously, there's some ranges when you get certified as far as positions. You know, like if I test in 3G, I get qualified to weld 1G, 2G, and 3G, but I can't do overhead. So 4G is out of the question. So is 4F, uh, the thickness. You know, if I test on 3H plate, I can't go above twice the thickness according to D11. There's some other variables in there, too. There's some allowances. You get plus or minuses, you know, as far as what you're, what you're qualified to do with that certification. But I wanted to make it clear that your cert is only good for certain ranges, and all of those ranges are going to be listed on your welder procedure qualification record. So case in point, let's say I go out and I do a 3G shielded metal arc welding test with a backing on 3 8 plate. That does not mean that I can go out and weld overhead 1-inch plate with an open root. Okay, That's a completely different test. I need to get certified with a completely different range to a completely different WPS if that's what I'm going to do. And as a welder, you need to know the limitations of your welding certification. So as I mentioned, pull up your WPQR, and it should be like the right-hand column. Every every WPQR form is a little bit different. Usually the right-hand column will spec everything that you're qualified to as far as like filler metal, gas composition, wire types, material thicknesses, uh, diameters, you know, like all those ranges. So you should know what's outside of your scope of your certification and what is inside the scope of your certification. A lot of times that's going to vary based on the code you're working to, whether it's ASME Section 9, whether you're doing API 1104, AWS, any of the, the D1 numbers in there, even ISO. I think it's ISO, it's not ISO 9000. We'll just say ISO. I'm not too familiar with ISO codes. I'm actually going to be talking to Steve Snyder pretty soon. Maybe he can break some of the, the uh, ISO standards down for me. But, yeah, depending on the um, the spec or the code that you're testing to, your ranges might slightly differ. So just be careful of that. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution. Now, another myth about welding certifications is that once you're certified, that means you can go anywhere and work and still be certified. I hate to break it to you, but that's just not true for about 90% of the people listening to this podcast. Now, some welding certifications, actual welding certifications, I say that with uh, air quotes, you just can't see me because I'm, you know, it's audio format. Some of those are transferable. Some situations like the CWB Red Seal program, that program and those certifications, they're they're recognized worldwide. I've mentioned that a couple times on the podcast. Here in the States, we don't have anything like that. We do not have a current program like that, not for non-union members anyway. However, some of the unions, they have that because they all test internally to the same WPSs. And that's going to allow all the apprentices and the journeymen or journey people to transfer from one hall to the next and still be considered certified. That can also mean that they can work internationally as long as it's through the union. Because like the Ironworkers Union, it's international. Uh, I believe the uh, Pipefitters Union, that's also an international union. So you can go through you know Europe and different parts of Asia. Uh, I've never done it myself. I, I had a good buddy. He went out to Brussels and welded Again, I mean, he still had to take a test before he went to make sure he could do the work before he got his happy ass on a plane. But, you know, he was certified through our hall. So it worked when he landed over in Brussels. So it just it just depends. And although you may still you're probably going to have to test and get certified from one job to the next, you know, because it's that's going to be the case more often than not. Even when I was in the union, you go from one job to the next. You have to get recertified. Uh, especially if it was a different process or, you know, whatever you were used to working to on the job before, you know, like you go from one job doing steel to the next job, you're doing aluminum uh, or, you know, some specialty type of uh, welding on a roller coaster, you're going to have to follow a completely different WPS and you're going to have to go through the testing process all over again. So a lot of these certs are non-transferable. Now let's talk a little bit about the transferability. To my knowledge, most If not all certifications, aside from the instances I just mentioned above, like the CWB and being part of a trade union, they're non-transferable. Meaning that if I get certified, like if I get a legit cert at school, you know, because some schools have accredited testing facilities. The last school I worked at, they have an ATF or, you know, they bring in an ATF or, you know, whatever the case may be, you get a legit certification or I get certified with a previous employer. You know, let's say my 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 employer they have a weld certification program. I go over there, I run all their tests, I get certified, and now I want to go to work from company B or I graduate from school and I want to go to my first company. Those certs aren't really transferable from one company to the next, from one employer to the next employer. Not going to work. Even uh, AWS B two point one the twenty fourteen. It's the specification for welding procedure and performance qualification. Clause 4.3.5 states, quote, except as permitted in Clause 1, scope, a WPS qualified by one employer is non-transferable to another employer. And Clause 1 basically states that an employer can use uh, an AWS SWPS, or standard welding procedure specification, which are WPSs that are available through purchase through the AWS. Uh, That's just what a SWPS is. So as we discussed earlier, you have to be tested to a WPS. If your WPS isn't transferable, neither is your WPQR, also known as your weld cert. So because you have to test that specific WPS, that company should own it. So let's say company A, they've got a a welding procedure for gas metal arc welding on A36 steel using 70S6 wire. You know, they're doing vertical pulse. And you go over to company B and they've got the same type of equipment, the same gas, the same wire, the same thickness of material, but they don't have a WPS setup, or they do have a WPS setup, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to retest over at Company B because those WPSs aren't transferable. And neither is your welding cert. Now, like I mentioned, if each company, you know, if they have that same SWPS, yeah, that maybe they would accept that because you're you're pretty much rocking under the same WPS but most companies aren't going to have the same welding procedure specification and you're going to have to retest when you get to company B anyway. Now, is that common practice? I would say the majority of the time not. It's most most companies they just don't know. As I mentioned during like the intro of the show, most companies don't know. They're just like, "Hey, send me a certified welder." They have no idea that the, you know that person that they're supposed to test the person coming through the door. They don't realize that that falls on that's that's part of their responsibility. And I remember when I was an instructor, I would get people calling me all the time. Hey, man, I need a, uh, I need an AWS D11 certified welder from your program. You know, I, I need to hire somebody. And I'd give them all the same frickin' spiel every single time. Hey, bud, we, uh, we test them and we certify them here for proficiency, but once they leave, their cert is pretty much just a keepsake that shows their ability to pass a given weld test. I would then tell them that, you know, as an employer, it's your responsibility to test the welders to your company's WPSs. And the majority of the time, those companies, they didn't have a WPS. <laughs> so I'd, I'd, then I would ask them, hey, uh, do, you, do you by any chance have a copy of D11? And the majority of the time, the answer was, no, no, we don't. If they did, I would point them to clause 1.5.2, which is the contractor's responsibility. And that states that the contractor shall be responsible for all WPSs, qualifications of welding personnel, the contractor's inspection, and performing work in conformance with the requirement of the code and contract documents, Now, how can you work to a code as a company if you haven't read or you don't own the damn code book you're supposed to be working to? Don't answer that. It's a rhetorical question, obviously. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jason, not everything revolves around D11. And you're right. I, I completely agree. That's a, that's a code that I'm very familiar with, but I like thinking outside of the box. So I popped on over to ASME Section 9, the 2023 edition, and that states in QG 106.2 performance qualifications, each organization is responsible for the supervision and control of of material joining performed by persons for whom they have the operational responsibility and control. The organization shall conduct the test required by this section to qualify the performance of those persons with each joining process they will be used for construction of components under the rules of the codes, standards, and specifications that are referenced in this section. This requirement ensures That the qualifying organization has determined that the person using its procedures are capable of achieving the minimum requirements specified for an acceptable weld joint. This responsibility cannot be delegated to other organizations. And subclause C, it specifically states that production of test joints under the supervision and control of another organization is not permitted. So at the end of the day, it's the employer's responsibility. So all that to say that certs aren't transferable. However, there are some instances where an engineer can accept them at their discretion and that organization has to accept full responsibility. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. This segment of the Arc Junkies podcast is brought to you by Everlast Welders. Are you looking to upgrade your current setup? Maybe you need a true multi-process machine. Or you'd like to have the ability to perform other processes in the shop, but you just don't have access to the right equipment. Well, Everlast has your solution. They have a machine for every budget process and skill level and all everlast igbt inverter machines come with a stock five-year warranty check out a full list of their machines and full capabilities at everlastwelders.com and as always if you buy any machine that comes with a stock foot pedal be sure to type in arc junkies in the comment section and get that free nova foot pedal and tig torch upgrade everlast welders weld mean weld green now let's get back to the show All right. I know a lot of the information I talked about before the break was a little disheartening, but don't be upset. Welders are tested more than any other profession out there. I mean, think about it. How many other professions are tested from one job to the next, one client to the next? Do you think, uh, you know, your doctor or your surgeon has to take another test or an evaluation from one patient to the next? No. Does an attorney have to pass the bar in between clients? No most likely you're going to have to test for every company you apply for. And on many occasions, you're going to be tested several times at a single employer, depending on the type of the work that you're bidding on. At the end of the day, you shouldn't be worried about any of this. Just get really good at welding and you don't have to worry about it. I've I've got one client out in Orlando and I get a call every couple of months. Hey man, we've got a job for this other company down here and they want to weld to this code and here's the requirements they want us to meet. Can you come down here? Help us put some WPSs together and then test our welders to to these WPSs because they know and understand the codes that they're working to. They know the requirements. They know the scope. So I'm able to go out there and do that because their supervisors essentially supervise me. So I'm like just a third party because they don't have a CWI in-house to be able to do a lot of this stuff, but they're still supervising their welders getting tested. So I mean they they have a they have a process they have a protocol in place to be able to test their welders so that they can bid from one set of contract documents to the next that's the way it should be done that's the way most companies are supposed to be operating or they have a CWI in house and they pretty much have everything taken care of you know they develop their own procedures and WPSs and they test their welders accordingly What I always tell people is treat every weld that you do like it's a test if you always weld like it's a test You're not going to be worried when it comes time to take a test. The problem is people weld different in production and on site than they would on a certification test. Don't. In the Marines, they always told us, train like you fight and fight like you train. If there's no differentiation between the two, you only know how to perform your craft one way. So don't half-ass it any other time. And don't overcomplicate it. You're a welder. You're in the business of making welds. Doesn't matter if it's on a skyscraper, a bridge pressure piping a staircase an ornamental gate or a test plate put pride and quality into your work and you're never going to have to worry about it I, I tell people to kind of wrap this in your head like you you make welds you produce welds just ask the person where they want it okay you you want it over here on this piece of scrap metal uh you want it on a test plate you want it you know here on, in production doesn't matter you're just putting welds on things and most of your test plates you're putting five to six welds you know the, the same weld just in a different spot on the test plate. You know, so think about it. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't get freaked out when it comes time to test. I was talking to this young man at one of the local schools that I test a while back and he was super nervous about taking this test. And I knew the kid was able to weld because this this school that I test at, they make their students pass two visuals and two bends before I even come in. Before they have the opportunity to sit down and take a test with a, you know, with me coming in to actually run a Certification, you know, with a WPS and a routing sheet and like lot numbers and heat numbers and like all that good stuff that goes along with it. This young man was able to pass all these tests, but he was like super nervous freak. I mean, I could see him, he was shaking. So I asked him, I was like, hey man, why why are you nervous? He said, Well, this weld matters. (laughs) And I I thought about for a minute and I told him, I said, dude, all your welds matter. Because at the end of the day, people depend on our welds to hold. You know, these tests, they're just spot checks to make sure you're still proficient in your craft. And you have the responsibility to the folks using the products that you're welding up to perform to that part's limitation. So take it very seriously. Every weld matters. So, I mean, think about that for a second. You know, if you say that the welds on these, these test plates matter, well, shit, don't the ones on the skyscrapers matter? Don't the ones on the bridge matter? Don't the ones, you know, running petroleum up and down the... Uh, you know, the, the, the southern part of the United States, don't those welds matter? Hell yeah, everything matters. If those welds fail, you know, people die. Shit happens. I mean, so every single weld matters. And as soon as you get that locked into your brain, the better welder you're going to be. So is getting a cert even worth it? And what's the best way to do it? I'm going to break this down for you in a couple different ways since each person listening to the show is in a bit of a different situation. So I'll go ahead and start off with the students. Students, if your school offers a weld cert or, you know, weld certification, just know and understand the limitations. It's a good document to have. Don't pass up the opportunity. It's good to get in the process of testing. It's good to be in that mindset of, you know, okay, I'm getting ready to test. Let me make sure I got my base metal clean. Let me make sure my fit ups correct. Like 80%'s gonna be in your prep. It's a good thing to get in that stressful situation and be able to perform now. As I mentioned earlier, it's also a foot in the door. So let's say I'm an employer and I'm hiring one person. I got my job posted up on Indeed or Monster.com or whatever, and two students walk through the door. One of them has a cert, the other one doesn't. I'm probably going to interview and test the welder that has the cert first because they have documented proof of their ability. The other person, I don't know, I don't know maybe if the guy that uh, the guy or gal that you know, brought the cert in, maybe they screwed up the weld test or whatever, you know, that that's going to be my backup plan, but I'm probably going to take the one with documentation first, because you've shown proficiency to be able to take and pass a weld test at one point prior. So make sure, you know, if you have the opportunity, go ahead and take that weld test. It's just going to kind of build up your confidence. And it's, you know, hopefully it's going to like kind of chill your nerves out a little bit once you get through it. Now, instructors, how are you certifying your students? If you're testing them yourself, you're not in compliance with any legitimate welding code out there. Let your students know it's just a demonstration of their ability, not an actual certification. You can also hire a third-party accredited testing facility or a third-party inspector to come in and test your students. That's probably your best option. But you're going to need to have a WPS on file. Now, if you go through an ATF, the ATF should have some SWPSs or, you know, pre-qualified WPSs on file. Now, you can either buy an AWS SWPS from their bookstore on the website You can hire a competent person to make you a pre-qualified WPS, or if you're a competent person, you can write a pre-qualified WPS yourself, but you need to have a WPS. Your students need to be testing to a WPS. You need to be training them how to read a WPS. That's one huge facet of our industry that's missing right now. Many people, you know, if you think a lot of people can't read a tape measure going out and getting employed, some of y'all are laughing right now, but a lot of people can't read a tape measure going out, getting employed. A lot of them can't read welding symbols. They can't read blueprints. They damn sure can't read a WPS. So those are some of the things you should work on as an instructor because there are sometimes there's welding symbols on a WPS. Your students need to understand those. So better yet, I mean, get your students involved, you know, kind of give them the the, uh, the essential variables and the non-essential variables of a WPS and make them fill out a WPS. I used to make my students fill out WPSs all the time. If they can fill them out, they know how to read them. Okay. So that's always good to to have that skill set. And one of the things I always did with the WPSs that I wrote for the school was I would put a little footnote on the bottom that said for educational purposes only. And that's just going to shield you from any liability of someone trying to submit that WPS in a stack of construction documents for use in manufacturing or construction. So instructors, if you're developing your own WPSs, you know, put that little disclaimer in there, put it in big, bold, red print right across the bottom. Hey, you know, this is for educational purposes only, or this is for training use only something to that effect. So people aren't out there trying to, uh, you know, erect buildings with WPSs that you created in your class. Now, employers send one of your current employees to become a CWI and develop some WPSs and a welder certification program for your company. And I know a lot of companies out there that are rolling their eyes. Like, you know, if I just send them off to become a CWI, they're just going to leave my company. Well, maybe pay them a little bit more, treat them a little bit better. They're not going to leave. Like people don't quit good jobs. They quit bad management. So think about that. But yeah, hire, you know, send somebody off to go to CWI school, get them, you know, skilled up, get them schooled up, let them come back and develop some WPSs for your company and develop a certified welding program. Or you can hire a third party to come in to help you develop a testing program for your company, which includes employment testing requirements, as well as WPSs and testing requirements for production work. A lot of owners are cracking down on the requirements. So if you want to remain competitive as a business owner, you need to get this taken care of sooner rather than later. I'm seeing this, you know, especially here in Central Florida, I'm seeing this more often than not. You know, companies, they've been getting the same contracts with different companies for 10 to 15 years, and all of a sudden those companies are like, hey, we need to see your WPSs, and we need to see certs on your welders, or you're not getting this work. So I, th- I think it's got something to do with insurance or liability, but it's cracking down. I mean, you guys probably all seen that video on Instagram where that roller coaster, you know, as it's coming around, that that TYK connection just like split right there in the heat affected zone. Right. So like a lot of these companies, they're taking this stuff very seriously and it's being written in the, the contract documents and people are actually reading it. So they want to make sure that you and you know, your team is certified to do that work. They want to start seeing WPSs and welding certifications as part of those bid packages. So just be careful of that. I, like I said, I would, I would get ahead of that. Hire yourself a CWI or get one internally and, um, you know, develop a program that, that encompasses WPSs as well as, you know, welder certification and possibly welder training. You know, some of the, some of the folks you have working for you, they might have the capabilities of doing it. They, they just haven't been tested yet. So start implementing those programs as soon as you can. Now, small business owners and one-person operators. Uh, I actually work with a couple, you know, uh, mobile welders and stuff like that. They get jobs around town doing, you know, miscellaneous stuff for local municipalities, uh, different ob jobs from some of the theme parks and things like that. What I would recommend to you, again, hire a CWI or a competent person, or you know, pop off to an accredited testing facility or a third-party testing company and and work with them to develop some WPSs for the work that you're doing. Or, again, you can buy some SWPSs from AWS as well. That way, you'll own the WPSs. They're, they'll be in your company's name. That way, you as the owner or, you know, like the only welder there, you're going to own those WPSs, and then you'll be able to test to them yourself and have, a you know, a program, and you can remain competitive when it comes to bidding new work. There's a lot of welders out there that, you know, they're, they're bidding on the same work you are, but they don't have any certifications. Who do you think that company is going to go through? The one that's certified, that's got all the documentation to back everything up, including the WPSs, or, you know, the guy that rolls up in the rig that's, you know, $100 less. They, you know, they they kind of want that reassurance, you know what you're doing. It's also going to help, you know, establish some credibility with your clients that they are hiring a professional. So think about that. And if you think welders over-glorify certs, the rest of the population they're even more misinformed so if you walk up and you be like yeah i'm a certified welder boom you know here's all my documentation you know you're gonna knock their socks off so i mean just keep that in the back of your head it's probably a good idea to develop you know get some wps's developed for yourself and test to them as a small business owner or a one-person operation now as always if you all have any questions comments or concerns you can feel free to hit me up on instagram at Arc junkies podcast you can shoot me an email show at arcjunkies.com or hit the contact tab on my website, arcjunkies.com. Just make sure if you do that, include your email so I can respond. A lot of times I get, uh, I get those, you know, people contact me through the website and I want to answer their question. I truly do, but I have no way of reaching back out to them. So I'm not going to spam you with a bunch of junk. So, you know, drop your email in that box. And then I, you know, at least that way I can respond to you. Easiest way is probably just to, you know, shoot me an email, Like I said, show at arcjunkies.com. Just pop me off an email. It's much easier that way. Thank you all so much for downloading this episode. I hope it clears some things up for you, you know, about some of the, the misinformation and the myths that surround welding certifications in our industry. With this episode, I'm just barely scratching the surface, but I wanted to try to put some myths, you know, in bed and understand that, you know, when you're out there at school or you're out there on a job, you know, wherever you're at, what's actually required for, a a welding certification, okay? So somebody's not blowing smoke up your butt and being like, oh yeah, you know, you did this test, you know, here in the back. And like, I've literally seen some of this stuff throughout social media where one of the instructors, you know, they cut a root and a face bend out. The cap wasn't ground off. The backing strip was still left on the damn thing. And they put it in a test fixture and they bent it. And they told their student they were certified. The student doesn't know any better. And like that's, you know, that instructor's teaching people. Obviously teach them the wrong way. So you're you're not certified if that happens. Obviously, you know, you need to cut that backing strip off. You need to take the face off. Then you bend it that way. But also the instructor should not be testing uh, the students. I mean, do that for proficiency. I highly encourage you to test your students. But don't give them a piece of paper after the fact and tell them they're certified if you're the one training and testing them. Okay, it's just, just bad ethics. Um, but yeah, like I said, I hope that clears some of the stuff up. I want you guys to join me next week as I sit down with Kevin Waugh. Uh, he is a welder out of Canada. Super cool dude. I got to meet him while I was up at the CWB conference, the uh, the Can Weld up in Moncton, New Brunswick back in October. Super cool dude. He's going to be joining me next week. Uh, and then on February 7th, uh, Weld Wednesday's return. I'm going to be talking with Steve Snyder about the WPQ1 exam and probably a little bit about WPQ2. So those are the exams to certify an individual so that they can certify welders okay that's something that's coming down the pike it just hasn't happened yet and then the uh the wpq2 program and i believe these names have changed but wpq2 is to develop procedures uh so i mean that's just another another layer of certification that's that's coming into effect uh, at some point in the future uh we'll we'll see i'm not sure when that's going to happen but yeah i'm going to be sitting down with steve snyder he's going to come in and talk all about that um like i said questions comments concerns feel free to hit me up I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Stay safe out there. And until next time, make every weld better than your last.